Good morning. Thank you again for inviting me to be part of your Lutheran Heritage Series. Thank you, Pastor Armstrong, for blessing me with this opportunity. Um, I do want to talk to you again about the power of being a sent person in this tradition that we hold dear. And what is that tradition? The tradition of proclaiming the good news of Jesus by grace, through faith, in Christ, alone. Yesterday I talked to you a little bit about my work in Washington. I just want to tell you this morning when I got here at 7.30, it reminded me of my first days in D.C. I had this little place, we had a little garage, and by the way, the garages in D.C., they fit three quarters of your car. And so I'd bring the thing down and tie it, it's a long story. So I'd have to get up early for Sunday service, and I would go out back, and our place is right by the um, St. Joseph's Cathedral, in, in D.C., and I could hear the choirs singing. It was always the best thing, because in the middle of all this chaos, I would hear them practicing. So when I got here this morning, that's what you reminded me of. You were singing these joyful songs at 7.30 in the morning. I said, I think I'm in heaven, or I'll, maybe I'm back in D.C. Um, so it's great to be here with you. But yesterday what we talked about was the protection work I do in D.C. For what reason? So we can proclaim the whole counsel of God without fear. That's all I do. I block so you can serve. I stand there for you so that you can take your knee and you can kneel and serve and care and you can bring the good news of the gospel into the lives of people without fear of government coercion or challenge to the contrary. And that's what I want to talk to you about today in the story of Esther. As a person of faith in the middle of a crazy time, she understood she had a role to play for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the promise, for the sake of the people. Hear what the word says. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. So at first she was like, I don't know that I want to do what you ask. He said this, Do not think that because you're in the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise but from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. But who knows that for you, but that you have come to your royal position for a time such as this. So then Esther replied to Mordecai, she said, okay, I will go to the king. Even though it's against the law, if I perish, I perish. Grace and mercy and peace be to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When I read that text, and I read texts like this in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, all those stories, that's pretty dramatic stuff, isn't it? I mean, it really is. When you think of being a person of faith, and suddenly it stands against the empire, and suddenly the empire says, you don't belong here, and they're willing to bring all the forces of that empire against you. Wow. What's it like to be that person of faith in a time like this. And that's why today I want to talk to you about this incredible woman who saved her people and literally kept the promises of Jesus alive in history so that it could come to fruition on Christmas morning so that you could be saved and I could be saved too. Wow, that is the power of a solitary life in the solitude of faith that is willing to be used by God whatever way he sees fit. That's why I also want to remind you, this is Lutheran Heritage 
weekend that we've been talking about that. And Luther was a similar situation. He literally took his stand on the promises of God no matter what it cost him so that all people could hear this good news and be saved. In fact, I've got to be honest with you, you know, I try to, I've been an urban missionary all my life, um, and so I've been in some pretty tough places, and people would always say, well, what is it that you people teach? You know, and I would try to, you know, summarize it in uh, an 11-second elevator speech, which I think is tough to do. But let me just say it this way. Christianity is not a religion. That ought to shock you. It's a proclamation of freedom. It's a proclamation of forgiveness. Religion is something that you do or don't do to get God off your back. Well, God sent his son to get him off your back so that you could be free in him. So when Jesus lived and he died and he rose again, he declared the world free in him. You're just like Paul Revere. Hear ye, hear ye. There's a freedom here that you can have. And that's who we are. There's a thousand religions in the world. There's one proclamation of freedom that God has made possible. Celebrate that. That's what Luther discovered, and he wouldn't let anybody or anything take that away. That's the power of a solitary life and the solitude of faith, and that's what I want to talk about with you today. So first things first. When you look at that text in Esther, it just comes to my mind that things can get pretty scary in this world sometimes, right? I mean, things can get very scary very quickly, and it doesn't take much to make us feel all alone. That's what's actually happening in this text. One can see what happens when the situation in which you live, suddenly uh, they made this rule that the church of that time, or the people of that time, the Jewish folks at that time, I call them people of the promise, we're people of the promise fulfilled, but same promise. Um, Suddenly, they made a rule that those people were illegal and they were to be wiped out. Not, they didn't do anything. They just suddenly were on the wrong side of a law that was passed. I, I just want to tell you, there's a little bit of that going on in Washington today. That's one of the reasons why they sent me there to represent our church and to represent our schools because there's laws that are being passed that are saying, you know, you Christians, what you believe and teach, we don't like it anymore. And it's one thing for you to be here. It's another thing. We've just decided to make it illegal. There's actually a thing that was set up. We're fighting this. It's called the Disinformation Governance Board. That's now in Washington, D.C. What's disinformation? There's a lot of people on the Hill who think religion is disinformation. They think that faith is dis disinformation. And so again, I thought, well, maybe you guys shouldn't be doing that. Maybe we should say that's not your job. So again, what happens? When suddenly the place in which you live turns and you find yourself at odds even with what's going on. Esther was in such a situation. But she was blessed by God to be in a position where she could maybe do something about it, but it was really risky. If she opens up her mouth, if she actually speaks her mind, she could lose her life. That's why she says, if I die, I die, but I will go. Wow. She and her people were a threat to the kingdom just because they believed in God. So the world is unfair sometimes. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, absolutely. And it can get frightening, even for God's people. And it doesn't take much to make us feel all alone. 
But that's why I love to also read other sections of the scripture when you're confronted by some of the most frightening things in this life. Paul has a word for you in Romans 8. I love this word. If God is for us, who can stand against us? Wow. Shall, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? No, he says, in all of that, you are still already more than conquerors in Jesus. Well, so again, have you ever really been afraid? I mean, really, really afraid. When I was young, I used to, I remember, I, I don't like horror movies. I, I just have never, I have kids, some days, kids, kids like this. I never did. But occasionally I'd get caught watching one of them. You know, we used to have those scary TV shows, scary movies, that kind of stuff. I was probably eight, nine years old, and I remember I was watching one, and I, I just saw it, and I was like, oh, man, I don't like this. It scared me half to death. And so I remember going upstairs and going to sleep, and my dad turned off the light, and he went downstairs, and suddenly it's like that whole movie came alive in my room. Now, you may be laughing about this, how that's not scary, there's nothing there, but when you're a kid, when you're really, really afraid, when you feel real small and you feel, yeah, you can be terrified, and so suddenly I'd jump right back up, you know, I got up and turned the light on, and my dad would scream, you know, son, get back in bed. Dad. He'd come upstairs, turn the light. As soon as he left, I jumped out of bed again, turned the light on, you know. Finally, he came up. He said, listen, Greg, you've got, you've got to go to sleep. And I said, Dad, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I mean, the closet, under the bed, you know, I'm scared. Now, my father could have made fun of me. He could have told me what a foolish child I was. But my dad, you know what he did? He, he went and looked under the bed. Nothing here, son. Then he went and he looked in the closet. Nothing here, son. And here's the thing that he really did for me, and I'll never forget this, you know, because our dads were bigger than life, you know, when we were that small. He was standing in the doorway with the hall light behind him. My, he looked like a superhero. And all he looked and he said, son, and don't you worry, mom and I are downstairs and nothing will hurt you because we're here. Now go to sleep. But as Christians, we begin to realize that's what God is saying to us. Now, as a child, I understand that yeah, I shouldn't have been afraid of that stuff. There was really nothing to be afraid of. But there's a lot of things in this world that we're afraid of and we shouldn't be. And so whether it's my work in Washington where some things terrify me or whether it's the kinds of things you may, you may be struggling with an illness or you may be struggling with something in your life and it's terrifying you, God comes at that time bigger than any parent with the light shining behind him he comes as a savior who we just sang is the lamb who was slain but he has begun his reign wow so the world can be very scary the world's a sinful place satan prowls around like a roaring lion the scripture says but even when you are most afraid that is when jesus makes the boldest promises to you his people i love just think of all the times in the gospel where the people were terrified the thief on the cross 
And Jesus said what? Today you will be with me in paradise. To the woman caught in adultery, Jesus says, get up, go and sin no more, neither do I condemn you. To Lazarus who was dead, this is the one that always gets me, to Lazarus who was dead in the grave, come out. At times of absolute fear, we have a Jesus who tells us, trust in me. So Jesus knows the terror of this world. He has seen it at its worst. He has seen it through the cross. And he is the one who says to you, to me, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in me. You are safe in my hands. Um, I love the story that's told of a mother who really cared for her daughter. And her daughter was a Girl Scout. And um, she said, Mom, will you come on the Girl Scout jamboree with me? And she was like, that's about the last thing I want to do on a weekend is be out in a tent with, a, with my daughter out in the middle of the wilderness. Now, she loved being with her daughter. It wasn't that. She just wasn't an outdoors person. So she did. She went out with her. She took her on the jamboree. They were in a little tent, and they pitched their tent. And it was one of those places where there were noises they had never heard before and things that they'd never experienced. And suddenly, as they're getting ready for bed, she zips, she's zipping the tent uh, door closed, and a bee gets in the tent. I mean a big one, an Indiana bee. Buzzing around in there, the daughter is going crazy. Mommy, get it out, get it out. It's going to sting me. It's going to sting me. And then things buzzing, buzzing, fun. And finally the mother, she does this. She, she sees it and she grabs it with her hand. What happened? Yeah, it stung her right in the hand. Now this is the difference between men and women. She let it go. You know, zipped it down, let it go. Go by. What would a man have done? <laughs> yeah, now it's gone. No, she just, the stinger hit, put it outside. Actually, it was still in the tent. And as it's buzzing around, she says to the daughter, it can't hurt us anymore. Why? Because a bee has one stinger. <laughs> and she said, it's in my hands. That's what Jesus is saying to us today. As we struggle with the things that are buzzing in our lives, the real fears that we might have, he just says, look at my hands. Put your hands here. I have taken the sting, even of death, away. That's the thing that we're told today. Paul can say neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor height nor depth. Nothing in this world can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. So many of us have learned this love because we've had parents who gave it to us. Luther was our heritage father who actually stood for the good news of the gospel so that someday you could be here sharing it and receiving it in this church. But that's only half of the story. It's also that we are sent to share it with others. That's the power of a sent life in the solitude of faith that has been delivered to us by those who cared to do such a thing. I loved it. Your children's message was the best sermon today. <laughs> I almost wanted to say, I didn't know, I thought I was preaching. Wasn't that incredible? By whose authority? Who gave you permission to say these things to us? You could say the same thing of me today. What authority do you have to actually say this stuff to us? By the way, I don't have a robe on. I wanted to. Uh, I left it in St. Louis. 
If you knew my life now, my house is still in St. Louis, but I live in Washington, D.C., and I travel every weekend. And so I got to Washington, went to grab for my robe, and guess where it is? In St. Louis. And he's too tall. <laughs> and so he said, just go out there with your collar on. Actually, you know, it's not the robe that gives us the, it's the stole that we wear. And I was told that when that stole is put on you, Christ puts that stole on you and you will be held accountable for what you say in this pulpit because it's Christ's pulpit, not yours. It's Christ's church, not yours. And when he lays that, uh, that stole on you, that is the authority and the responsibility. And John and I, Pastor and I, will have to give an account of what we say in this place. It scares me a little bit. <laughs> but it also gives me a boldness to say, listen, because this is what Christ wants you to know. But at the end, when you, the end of the gospel, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Who said that? Jesus. Therefore, you go. Your baptism gives you an authority to share his good news. Your faith in Christ gives you an authority to be his people for the sake of others. And I want to leave you with this thought. No matter what is happening in the world in which we live today, this is the solution. This is the message. This is what will hold us together. This is what will bond us with people of different ethnicities, different challenges, different places. A common faith in Jesus Christ can hold us together and can save us all. We're not just supposed to be unafraid of the present. We're not just supposed to be uh, un, or, or not scared of what could happen. We're supposed to be bold enough then to move into the challenges of this world with a message that God has given each of us to speak. I love again what Esther said. Okay, I will go to the king. I'll do it. I'll walk where you tell me to walk, Lord. I'll go where you tell me to go. And if I die... I die. But even there, God will do something special for others. She risked everything, position, power, notoriety, all for her people, but it was part of God's plan even for you and me. So don't just be happy. Or don't, well, don't just try to be happy with the way things are. Or don't just be unhappy with the way things are. Don't just be unafraid of the way things are. Be the kind of people who move forward with a transforming word of God to try to make things different for the lives of people um, that God sends into your life. That's the power of you being a solitary person of faith uh, who actually boldly moves into the world with the message of Christ. That's the power of God that Mordecai knew, that Esther knew, that Luther knew, that you and I know as well. So one last thought. I want you to consider your calling then. You are sent by God. You are, you are husbands, you are wives, you are mothers, you are fathers, you are friends, you are business people. You, are, you have all these different vocations and in each one of those vocations you have been sent by God to just be yourself in Christ for others and let the chips fall where they may and watch what God can do with you. Do you believe that? People say all the time, oh, well, that's easy for you to say. You're a pastor. It's your job. Can average folks, can regular folks, can we be that? Actually, that's all we are as regular folks. 
who God has put into a particular ministry, and your regular folks who God has put into a particular ministry. You can be an Esther. You have been fashioned for a time like this to live bold, courageous lives in Christ for others. Here's some of the names that in the Bible that God has used. I want to ask you, can you be on this list? Ready? Here it goes. And it's going to go fast. Moses. Do you know that Moses stuttered? And yet he was called to be the voice of God to the Egyptians? David's armor. David's armor didn't fit. He was a scrawny kid, and yet he was supposed to go up against Goliath. How does God do that? John Mark was rejected by Paul. Timothy had ulcers. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. That'll be a tough ministry. <laughs> that was actually kind of a joke. <laughs> it's still a tough... But God told him to, do, to take Gomer as his wife because he was trying to illustrate how Israel was unfaithful to him, and yet he was still loving them. Wow. Amos' only training was in the school of fig tree pruning. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Solomon was too rich. Mary was too poor. Abraham was too old. David was too young. Peter was afraid of death, and Lazarus was dead. Now think about that for a minute. God calls him out of the grave to be a testimony to the resurrection. I would have said, God, I was actually happy where I was. Why'd you bring me back? He had to actually live the rest of his life as a testimony of the resurrection and still face death again. Think that through for just a minute. Paul was a murderer. John was self-righteous. So was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal, yet wrote some of the most beautiful words of the gospel in the Old Testament. Elijah was burned out. John the Baptist was a loudmouth. Martha was a worrywart. Esther, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thought they were going to die. Did I mention Samson had long hair? Moses had a short fuse, and it goes on and on and on. Can you be on that list? The answer is we are on that list because of who Christ is. So today, that's your heritage. That's Heritage Weekend. You have a heritage from Esther. You have a heritage from Luther. You have a heritage of the Reformation. You have a heritage not because of who you are, but because of who Christ is and what he has done for you, for others, and for the very world in which we live. When Esther was confronted with a life-or-death situation, she says, okay, Lord, I'll do what you ask me to do. If I die, I die. Because she knew that even then Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. May God overwhelm you with his grace and his courage to be his people in this time and place, because that is your heritage, by grace, through faith, in Jesus alone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you. It's great to be with you.